Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Let's get in it. Seven things the Bible says about about you. If we're going to believe everything the Bible says about God, and we're going to believe everything the Bible says about the devil, then we have to believe everything the Bible says about you individually. Uh, the biggest hindrance most Christians have uh, in, in uh, growing and increasing their faith is that they believe this word for everybody else and everything else, but they fail to believe and appropriate the promises of God for themselves. God doesn't want you just to watch everyone else get blessed. God wants to bless you. God loves you. God is a very, very personal God. The Bible says in, in, in thir- uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 that what great love the Father has bestowed on you individually. God so loved the world, but I like to take world out and put my name. I say God so loved TJ. God so loved Anna. God so loved Teresa. God so loved Angel. God so loved Melissa. God so loved Andrea. God so loved Nila that he gave his only begotten son so that what? We should not perish and go to hell, but so that we can have life eternal. And and not only life eternal, the word there is zoe, meaning the life of God in us. God's not waiting for you to get to heaven to get blessed. God has a plan to bless you here on this earth. These promises are not going to be needed in heaven because the Bible says Jesus Christ will replace the son and he'll provide life light for us all and there will be neither tears nor sorrow nor sickness nor pain nor disease so these promises are yes and amen not in death the bible doesn't say the promises of god are yes and amen when you die the bible says the promises of god are yes and amen in christ jesus hallelujah if you are in christ this message is directed towards the saved and if you're not saved if you're unsure that you're saved if you're you're not living right keep on stick on because i'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this broadcast to join the family of God and then you can appropriate all these things for your own life but this message is for those that are in Christ Jesus seven things God says about you when you get saved when you when the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus the old is gone the new begins to take place so what are those new things you know the book of Hebrews chapter 6 says that we are confident of things of better things concerning you This is the writer of Hebrews writing to the Hebrews. He says, I'm confident of better things concerning you. He's talking to saved people. Yes, things that come with salvation. So when you get saved... You're not just joining an organization. You're not joining some uh, some human construct of religion. You're not joining some philosophy. This isn't a cult. This isn't something uh, that's man-made. When you get saved, you're not joining an organization. You are born again. You're born again. The Bible says in uh, the book of John chapter 3, that we are born again by spirit and by truth. And we enter into a new kingdom where new things beca- become 
the order of the day for our lives. We might live in this world, but our life is to look drastically different from everyone else's life. Because though we're in this world, we're not like this world. We've been born from above. We have a heavenly father and our citizenship is in heaven. And as such, the Bible says we're seated in Christ Jesus far above the things that used to harass us, used to torment us. But until you start to see yourself like that, you're going to continue to struggle the way everyone else is struggling the bible says in psalm 82 and verse 6 you know not neither do you understand all the foundations of the earth are unstable i have said this is what the psalmist is saying to human beings people that are in covenant with god i have said ye are gods little g not God himself, God's. And if you study the Hebrew, it talks about divinely empowered ones. So the psalmist is saying, I've said you are divinely empowered ones. You should almost be like gods on the earth. Nothing should be able to phase you. You should have a supernatural element to you that when people see, I mean, look at what happened to Paul when he was traveling. He heals a man that's a cripple. And the Bible says the people of Lystra, they start venerating them as though they were gods in the flesh now i'm not saying you should walk around like you're a god and you're not but because you're a new creature creation because christ now lives in you you should have the fruit that god had in christ jesus on the earth that's why the bible says in first john 4 17 as he is so are we in the world but the psalmist goes on to say though i've said ye are gods and all of you are children of the most high god psalm 82 6 if you don't believe me it's in the bible it's in the bible you can go and check it it's in the bible and jesus actually quotes it in the new testament so if you're saying well that's old testament they didn't know what they were talking about jesus quotes it and he says if god said to whom the scriptures came ye are gods and the scriptures cannot be broken he's i'm not saying don't leave this broadcast taking the sound but saying G, uh, tj went on and said we're all gods and, and you know god is no different from us no he is god in a class by himself but the child of a giraffe is a what a giraffe the child of a lion is a lion the child of a god has god-like nature in them we have the nature that's john three sixteen. that you might carry that you might carry zoe the life of god in you so but if you don't see yourself like that, the Bible says, I've said you are gods. All of you are children of the most high, but you will die like mere men. If you're just tuning in now, please help me share this, uh, get this broadcast out to more people because this is gonna take people out of that defeatism, that defeated victimhood mentality and bring them into the mentality as outlined in the Bible that they should carry about themselves. The reason, the main reason people don't live like more than conquerors, even though God has called them to be more than conquerors, is two, there's two reasons. A, they're ignorant of what the word of God says, or B, they've been deceived by religion. No, I don't know if I can say that, brother. You can never go wrong quoting God. You can say everything God has said about you and you're not sinning and you're not walking in deception. It's not false teaching. You can say everything God has outlined in this Bible. Anytime, Kenneth Hagin used to say, anytime you say in him, you see in whom, you say you see in the Bible in Christ or through Christ or by Christ, highlight, underline, circle, do everything you can to the statement that precedes or proceeds in Christ, in whom, by Christ, through Christ, and then write it down on a piece of paper, every in Christ statement. 
Put it on your wall. Read it daily. Let it always be set before your eyes. Then you'll be like a tree. That's what the psalmist had. That's what the psalmist did. He said, I don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. I don't, I don't paint a picture of who I am based on what the world thinks about who I am. I don't care what the world thinks about me. As you can see, I come on these broadcasts looking like a raging lunatic, lunatic because if I'm besides myself, it's for God. If I look a little crazy, it's because God has done for me what no man could ever do for me. When I was at my lowest, God didn't kick me to the curb. He sent from above. He drew me out of many waters. He took my feet out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a rock to stay and I owe my life to him because of everything he's done for me I used to be cursed I'm now blessed I was dead I'm now alive in Christ I was sick but I'm healed I was bound but I'm free and as such I'm gonna follow God all the days of my life how about you and I believe that's you today I believe that's you today if that's you why don't you just put amen yes hallelujah in the comment section so all Psalm 82 6 says, though all of that is true concerning you, because of your ignorance, you will die like mere men and you'll fall like the princes of the earth. Meaning your life will not look any different from anyone else's life. Even the unredeemed. And the re if you have a redeemer, your life should look different than someone who has no redeemer. But the Bible says, because of ignorance of what God has said about you, you're going to get whipped on earth. But on the flip side, when light begins to shine on your spirit and you start to see yourself the way God sees you, then you become a, tor a torment to the devil. Then you become more than a conqueror. I said the two hindrances to, to walking as more than conquerors. The reason the devil keeps him captive. You know, the devil would like nothing more than for you to stay ignorant, for you to just have your Bible collect dust, just let it sit on the sideline. That's why I was quoting before. David said, I don't walk according to the counsels of the wicked. I don't stand according to the, I don't stand in the path of sinners. I don't think, I, I, I don't talk like sinners talk. I don't sit in the seat of scoffers. I don't join people in mocking what God's word says. Matter of fact, he does the opposite. He said, my delight is in the Lord. And in his law, I meditate day and night. It's my meditation all the day. Why? Through thy law, you have made me wiser than my enemies. I'm like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water that no matter what the world is experiencing, I'm drawing from another source. Hallelujah. When you start to think of yourself the way the Bible thinks of you and then start to declare that, your confession is important. Let me read this. Proverbs chapter 6. So I want to shift something in your heart today that'll inevitably shift the way you talk about yourself. And when that happens, then... Then you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some of you are wondering, man, I've prayed about it. Man, I, I, I fasted about it. But you haven't changed the way you talk about the problem. And as such, you keep magnifying the problem and devaluing God. And God can't act. God can't act on that. God will confirm the words of your mouth. Isaiah, I, I believe it's in chapter 44, says the Lord confirms the word of his messengers and he performs the counsel of his servants. God will confirm what you, what you affirm to be true in his word. God cannot confirm on the flip side what you do not affirm to be true about you in his word. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. And you are taken by the words of your mouth. 
So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. And for you've come into the hand of your friend. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. You are snared, by, not by a big devil. Most people are not the victim of a big devil. Most people are not the victim of some impossible mountain. Most people are not the victim of some demon. Although I'm not, a, I believe there's a devil. Of course, the Bible teaches that. I believe there's demons. I believe there are more people that are demonically oppressed today than ever before. However, I truly believe in the church, most people are captive, not because of a big devil, but because of a great mountain of ignorance that they haven't taken out of the way. And the devil will wish for nothing more than that you never find out that you are as weak as you confess yourself to be. I'm going to say that again. The devil would wish for nothing more than that you never find out that you're as weak. You will be and stay as weak as you confess yourself to be. If you have a weak confession, you'll have weak strength, you'll have weak, you'll have no victory, and you'll have a hard time in life. But if you'll line up your confession and not waver in your confession, because he who promised is faithful, if you'll stay strong like Abraham did, even at a hundred, he still didn't have a child. Even at a hundred, his wife's womb was as dead as it dead can be. But he did not waver in faith. He continued to give glory to God because he was fully persuaded you got to be fully persuaded that God's word is the truth and everything else has to line up with it this is what second Thessalonians first Thessalonians says let me read this first Thessalonians 2 and verse 13 for this reason Paul's telling he's commending the Thessalonican church for this reason we thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us you welcomed it so if you don't receive the word of God you'll never welcome it and this is what and as such he said it is not as sorry let me let me repeat that because when you receive the word of God which you received from us you welcomed it not as the word of men but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works its power in those who believe. So that shows you, it'll, this word will never work for you until you receive it, welcome it, embrace it, and begin to confess it. Then you'll see that power. You know, the word of God is God's power in print. But if all it does is stay in this book and you don't release it to, and turn it loose, to deal with the situation you're facing today. It'll just stay as power in a book. That's why you can have theologians that study the word, but they're not even saved. They're not even born again because they haven't turned their faith, their faith loose to, to receive its, its blessing and its promises. That's why there's Christians that, that read the Bible daily. They, they religiously read it every day, but nothing changes for them because it's not just about reading it. It's the entrance of the word of God. I'm not just reading this as some book of uh, just to get me past and get me through life. I'm not reading the Bible as some book that gives me comfort in the storm. I'm reading the Bible because it is my guiding force on the earth. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I'm not just reading it. I'm receiving it. I'm welcoming it. And I'm acting on it. And I believe and I'm fully persuaded. God is not a liar. He's not some 
uh, unreliable force in heaven. No, I am the Lord God and I change not. God's word is as faithful as God because God and his word are one. You can't separate the two. So when you start to believe the word of God, you're giving God something to work on in your life. You're giving God substance to work for, to work with in your life. So what are... Why did I entitle this seven things God says about you? Turn to James chapter one. This is the, this is the scripture that came to my spirit that pretty much spawned this whole, this whole broadcast. James 1, 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man that he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. See, shows you. It's not just about hearing. It's not just about reading. It's not just about, uh, uh, you know, knowing the verse. He that hears the word and does the word, this man will be blessed in what he does. I want you to pay attention to what James is saying in James chapter 1. He said the word of God is likened to a mirror. But the difference with this mirror is it doesn't show you what you look like in the flesh. The word of God is a mirror that when you look into it, you start to see the way you look like in the spirit. You start to see what Christ in you really looks like. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we behold him as in a mirror. Again, 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul's liking the word of God to the mirror. As we behold his word as in a mirror, we are being transformed into the very same image when you look at the word, you see Christ. And cr the Bible says it's no longer I who lives, Christ lives in me. So now when you look at the word, you're studying, you're seeing in the mirror of the word what you look like because Christ lives in you. And the scripture says because of that, we are transformed into the same image. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not being transformed into a form of Christ of what Jesus was. We are the body. We've not been severed from the head. The same, the same nature. Second Peter chapter one and verse four. By these great and magnificent promises, we are becoming partakers of the divine nature. As you see what Christ in you looks like and what your life should look like because of the reality of God alive in you. You're transformed and that divine nature begins to take root in your life as you escape the corruption of this world by lust. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, we are to put off the old man. Not flirt with the old man. Not uh, entertain the old life. No, put off the old man which grows corrupt according to the lust of the flesh. And we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. How do you renew your mind? The washing of the water of the word. The word is like a spiritual cleansing force. It cleanses you of the impurities of the wisdom that you accumulated in your past life.
There's a lot of you, you got saved later on in life. As such, you've learned things from the world that aren't biblical about yourself, about your family, about how you're to run a family. The Bible is the cleansing detergent that washes away. That's why when you read it, it's profitable for instruction. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, and for reproving. It shows you what you need to change, just like when you look in a mirror. You see, man, your hair's out of whack, so you got to do something about that. There's a zit on your face. You got to do something about that. So the Word of God is a mirror that shows us what we need to change so that we can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ so that we can be the hands and feet the very power of God here on the earth. You know, Jesus is seated in the heavenly places. He's not on the earth physically right now. He will descend upon the Mount of Olives at his second coming. But right now, we are his hands and feet. That's why Romans 6 says we are to present our bodies as living sacrifice. We're to present the instruments of our bodies, uh, the members of our bodies as weapons of righteousness for God to use here on this earth. So, because nothing will get done on the earth unless God does it through his servants. That's in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. God does not do anything on the earth unless he does it through his servants, the prophets. So if God wants to bring revival to your family, it's not going to be because he he, he, he sovereignly moves on. No, God's going to use you to bring revival to your family. But you'll never be used to bring revival to your family until a revival takes place in your heart. You can't give what you don't have. God can't do through you what he doesn't first do in you. Before you can become an agent of change, you have to experience a change. And that's the change you're going to have today as you begin to see yourself not through the lens of men, but through the lens of the Holy Scriptures. Number one, one so we take off the old man and we're renewed in the spirit of our mind and then it doesn't that's where a lot of christians stay we 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 take off the old man we've put off the old man we're staying clean staying away from sin we're putting off all filthiness and work of, of of wickedness and we're staying holy before god that's great but there's another side to christianity the bible says you are now to put on the new man which is the scripture says it, created according to God. We put off the old sinful flesh, we put off the body of death, and we put on Christ. Romans 13 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So number one, seven things the Bible says about you. Number one, I am a new creation. I want you in the comment section, everyone that I get to, to just write it out as a confession, a declaration that you're typing and you're confessing vocally about yourself. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and beginning with verse 6. If you're just joining me now, welcome to the broadcast. I know it's a Monday. Some of you are confused, but I'm traveling tomorrow, so that's why we did it today. If you would help me by sharing this broadcast, you'd, you'd be a great blessing to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. This is Paul talking to believers. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. That word is a new species of being. The world has not seen the kind that you are. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything, not some things, not most things, not we're a renovation of our old self, but we still have the old. No, everything, all things have become new. I want you to pay special attention to verse 16 where he opens up and says, now on we regard no one according to the flesh. So you shouldn't see yourself as according to the flesh. 
What does he mean by that? Don't see yourself or have a perspective of yourself of your old sinner self. How many of you know we get saved, but we're still in the flesh and nothing's going to change until we make it to heaven? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we are no longer to regard ourselves, even if you feel the flesh and the, 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 the effect of the flesh, we are no longer to regard ourselves as a being according to the flesh, even as we no longer regard Christ as according to the flesh. That's what 1 John 4, 17, I quoted before. He said, as he is, as Christ is, so are we in this world. So we should no longer see ourselves as old, depraved, wretched, miserable, broken down. How many of you ever heard someone say, we're all broken? We're just broken sinners. That's not true. That is not true. If you are saved, if you're born again, you're not a broken down sinner. You're not some sinner like a car with one wheel and you're just getting by on barely getting by, barely getting by street and you're just dragging your feet through life. The scripture says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Turn with me to Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, um, 43, beginning with verse 18. Listen to what the Bible says about the redeemed. Do not remember. Do not remember the former things. I remember I was at a church once, and a, uh, the worship leader got up, and he was about to lead a new song, and he said, this is a new song. Some of you have not heard it. And uh, I want you, before we, we worship in this new song, I want you just to look back on the past life, on your past week. I want you to focus on your last week, and I want you to identify everywhere where you went wrong, everywhere that you, you, know, you should have done better on as we sing this new song. And I'm there like, what, did Satan hijack the mic? The Bible says not to remember the former things, not to consider the things of old. Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. You, There are some of you watching right now, you still identify with your past nature. Well, I, I'm, I'm saved, but I'm still battling addiction. I'm saved, but I'm still battling pornography. I'm saved, but I'm still battling uh, alcohol. I'm saved, but I'm still battling X, Y, you fill in the blank. You're saved. You should identify as a new creature who's, who's empowered by the Holy Ghost to not battle those things, but to overcome and not have sin, have dominion over you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, that just as Christ was buried, in, uh, buried in that, that tomb and rose again, even so we were buried in baptism, but now we've been raised up with Christ and we should walk in newness of life. He goes on to say that the old body of sin should no longer have dominion over you. The old body of sin, we should no longer be slaves to sin. You should no longer say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Speak for yourself. I'm not a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I'm redeemed. I have. He who knew no sin became sin on my behalf that I should become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look at Paul. You want to talk about being a new creature? Paul. Paul the apostle who was the, the, the persecutor of the church who went around with letters from Jerusalem. He had assigned authority to go and Take captive any Christian, woman or male uh, or, or, or child, and bind them, imprison them, and bring them back for execution to Jerusalem. 
And this Paul wreaked havoc on the church before he got saved. He made a he made hell on earth almost for the church. Like he made things difficult. The Bible says he caused a great persecution to rise up against the church. He even stood by when Stephen, the first martyr, was being stoned, and he heartedly consented to his 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 uh, stoning. And Paul, if you read in the epistles, in one of his epistles, he says, "I have wronged nobody." You're talking about somebody who wronged everybody coming out and making a statement so heavy saying, I have not wronged anybody. You want to know why? Because Paul wasn't in his prison cell just weeping about all the things he had done. Oh man, I just see the faces of every Christian I ever killed. He wasn't. He recognized the blood of Jesus has made me clean. The sins and lawless deeds of my past, God remembers no more. Every time the devil comes and tries to remind you of your past, you should remind him of his past, how he was the cherub in the heavens that was adorned with every precious stone and jewelry that he was the the son of the morning the bible says lucifer the main archangel in heaven who walked in the mountains of god was heralded with great great honor in heaven but when iniquity was found in him he was cast down to the earth and he began to corrode and decay from that moment onward and he never won a victory you can study the bible it's a catalog it's a catalog not only of all of god's victories through the people of god on the earth it's a catalog of all of satan's failures time and time again he's risen up against the body of christ he's risen up against the children of god in the old testament but time and time again he only rose up to fall flat every time he tries to remind you of your past just remind him of his future remind him that there's a lake of fire that awaits him remind him that he's going to spend eternity with a worm that never dies and a fire that's never quenched remind him that he'll never again taste of the presence of God after he had fallen from from heaven remind him of that stop buying into the devil's lies and then the devil's lies are even preached in pulpits I mean if you know we're all just wretched beings. How many of you know we sin every day? You should not. <laughs> the Bible says sin should no longer reign in your mortal bodies. There should come a point. If Jesus under the old covenant, because when Jesus was on the earth, it was still the old covenant. He hadn't shed his blood. And he told that woman that was called in the very, caught in the very act of adultery, go and sin no more. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say go and sin less. He didn't say go and sin less often. He didn't say, hey, you've committed this, you know, quite a bit of adultery in the last week. Why don't you cut it down? Maybe go to one or two slips of adultery on a weekly basis and, and we'll have peace between you and I. No, go and sin no more. If he told somebody, God would never tell somebody to do something without giving them power to actually complete that, that instruction, to actually follow through in obeying that instruction. The Bible, for people that say, well, I just can't stop sinning. You're making God to be a liar. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation that has overcome you such as is common to men. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. So even God has said you're able to stop sinning. And with the temptation, we'll provide a way of escape. But you have to choose. Choose ye this day. Paul, the esteemed apostle, he said, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection to the desires of my spirit, lest after I've preached to others, I should be cast out or I should be disqualified. You, I mean, listen to this. 1 John 3, 7. 
Listen to what John the Apostle, the one who leaned on Jesus' bosom. So if anybody was an expert in Christianity, it's this guy. This is what he said. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So that backs in what I'm talking about, being a new creation. You're righteous just as Christ is righteous. So stop, stop identifying yourself as, as a struggling recovering alcoholic no i'm righteous as christ is righteous and you'll see anyone that talks like that they always battle sin if they break free from one sin they're, they're battling another sin a couple of weeks later if you continually confess about yourself that you're a sinner and, need, and 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 you're weak and depleted of strength and all that you'll continue to sin continue to sin you'll continue to be weak and you'll continue to be depleted of strength but on the flip side if you'll start to confess what i'm telling i'm a new creation I'm righteous even as he is righteous. You'll find that a new strength will come on the inside of you that'll empower you to break free from sin and the, and, and the cords that sin would try to latch on you. Listen to this. Verse eight, he who sins is of the devil. If you have some lax attitude with sin and you're not violent against its presence in your life, then you're just gonna, you're just gonna continue to sin. You'll never, you'll never have a fight in you to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of righteousness you'll just you know if you have a comfort you're comfortable with the sin in your life you're comfortable with things being on your television that shouldn't be you'll never break free from sin if you continually are listening to cardi b in the car on your way to work she you're, you're gonna continue to have struggle with sexual desire and, and sin because that's what she transmits to this generation through her music you continue to listen to like uh grunge music or emo music that's just about taking your life and how life's not worth it and you should just give up and uh, I, I don't have any strength to carry on. You're going to see that depression's never going to break free from you. You're going to have thoughts. Your ears and your eyes are the gate to your heart. That's why the proverbial writer said, you are to guard your heart above all things for out of it flows the issues of life. He who sins is of the devil. He has he sinned from the beginning. The devil sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, listen to this. Some of you have never, maybe never read this in the Bible. 1 John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. But I thought, I, my pastor told me that we sin every day. My pastor said even while he was preaching, he was sinning. Then he should take he should put the mic back, get off the pulpit, sit down until he recovers and gets, gets the, those things straight. The Bible says whoever has been born of God does not sin. Does that mean you're never going to sin again? No. You might, you might make a mistake. You might sin by getting angry and saying some things you've never, you didn't want to say or doing things you shouldn't have done. However, the righteous man does not make a practice of those things. The moment it happens, Father, forgive me. Give me grace to never do it again. To, grace is not an, a license to continue sinning and living the life you want to live. Grace is an empowering force to never sin again. And Paul said, you can apprehend perfection. Paul said, I've not apprehended it yet. But what I do is I'm pressing forward. I'm reaching forward to the goal of absolute perfection with Christ. Jesus said, be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. He wouldn't have said that if it was impossible to be perfect. He who has been born of God does not sin, for God's seed remains in him. That's the Holy Spirit. And he cannot sin because he's been born of God. He cannot sin. It's hard to sin. Shouldn't be easy to sin. 
Sure, you're not just waking up and man, oh, that's not my wife. It should be hard for you to sin. Just as hard as it was for me when I was a sinner to come to church, to go to an altar, whatever. It's just as hard. It's harder for me to sin now. Whenever I do make a mistake, there's something in me. It's this, it, there's like a disgust that hits me. And I immediately, Lord, I repent. I never want to do that again. I'm not going to sit anything before my eyes. I'm not going to have wicked people dwell in my presence. I'm not going to have anything around me that makes an environment conducive for sin. And when you do that and you start to confess, I'm a new creation, I'm righteous as Christ is righteous, you're going to find out how weak the devil's chains of sin have been on your life. I'm a new creation. I've been changed. The Bible says as many as received Christ have become children of God. I'm not what I used to be. I'm a new the Bible says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything in this new covenant, but a new creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two, things the Bible says about you. Number two, I am healed. I walk in health. I walk in divine health. I have an overflow of health in my body. I'm not a victim of sickness and disease. Doesn't matter the virus that gets released on this earth. I have supernatural vitality bursting forth at the seams. Sickness doesn't get into me. The health of God, the overflow of God's health in me gets into the sick and dying world and I'm anointed to heal the sick. I'm anointed to cleanse the leper. I'm anointed to destroy the work of the devil everywhere I go. So you gotta stop seeing yourself. Well, how many of you know you know, we're not promised health in this life, but one day when we make it to heaven, we'll be healed there. You're not going to get healed in heaven. Newsflash, the Bible says we're going to have a new body. We're going to be transformed. God's not healing you. There's a resurrection taking place. There's a, a the Bible says, uh, the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. There's going to be a transformation. We're going to take on the literal body of Christ in heaven. On this earth, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, by his stripes, you were healed. The moment you got saved, even if you didn't feel saved, you know you got saved. Well, when you accepted Christ into your heart, you didn't accept him just to have, uh, we didn't just accept Christ as savior from sin. We accept him into our heart. We receive Christ in his fullness. And Christ has become to us health, strength, vitality, and overflow of God's life. The Bible says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's power lives in me. Sickness, it's either God's spirit or sickness that's going to continue to live in here. They can't cohabitate. They can't coexist. One's going to leave and the other's going to stay and dominate. But if you continually say about, you know, there's that virus going around. I, I don't know what, I, I, I just hope it doesn't hit me. You don't have to hope. You have a promise from the Bible that God said, if you'll diligently listen to me and obey everything that I've told you to do, I will be to you Jehovah Rapha. Why is it that the body of Christ is so keen, so quick to confess Jehovah, Jehovah righteousness, Jehovah uh, Sikenu. He's the Lord, our righteousness. Amen. He's our righteousness. We don't have to worry about going to hell. We're saved by grace. Praise the Lord. But then, 
Another compound name of Jehovah is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah, the Lord who heals us. And then all of a sudden, it's controversial. Well, we, can you really tell people that God wants to heal them? Could we ever know? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. The Bible says that when you accept Christ, you accepted him in his fullness. You accepted him because of the piercings in his hands that we can be forgiven. And you accepted him because of the lashes on his back so that we can be healed. The same work of the atonement, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, that same work was provided for us, healing and strength for our physical bodies. The Bible says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. God wants you to be healthy. You're no good to God confined to a hospital bed in a coma. David even said, what good is it if I die before my time? Who's going to proclaim your praise on the earth? That's why he said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. I would have died an early death, David said, had I not known had your law, had your word not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I would have died in my sickness. But God's word is healing to our flesh and strength to all our bones. The Bible says, when you received Christ, you didn't receive a part of Christ. You didn't receive 33.5% of Christ. You received him in his fullness. And what was Christ on the earth? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When you received him, you received that deliverance from the oppression of the devil, sickness being that oppression. So you have to say, think about yourself that way. I'm healed. I'm called to live in strength. Let the weak say I'm strong, which leads me to my third point. I'm not weak. I am strong. How many of you know we're all weak, but he's strong? Not anymore. He that has been joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. I'm one with Christ. The Bible says, examine yourself. Test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Or don't you know that Jesus Christ lives in you? Some people have this like big God, little me mentality. He's big. And because he's greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. Because he's in me. Because the old me is dead. And Christ, I'm now the residential address of the Holy Ghost on the earth. I can now boldly confess I am not weak. That's why Joel said, prophesying, prophesying of this new covenant believer, let the weak say, I am strong. Doesn't say let the weak feel like they're strong. Doesn't say let the weak, uh, uh, sorry, it doesn't say let the weak uh, only confess they're strong when they feel like they're strong. It doesn't say let the weak, you know, wait until they feel a burst of strength and then they can start. No, in that state of weakness, man, I don't feel like waking up today. I'm strong and I'm anointed to tackle this day in authority. Well, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel like going and praying for that person. I don't feel like the anointing's on me. It doesn't matter what you feel. We walk not by sight. We walk by faith. We don't go by our physical senses, our, high, our, our hearing, our sight, our feeling, our touch, our smelling. We walk by what the word of God says concerning us. And the Bible says, I am the everlasting God. Isaiah 40, I believe it's verse, Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? 
I am the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens of the ends of the earth. I neither faint nor am I weary. Hallelujah. So if the one who cannot faint and get weary, tired out, fatigue, lives in you, then you shouldn't talk like you're wearied out. Why, man, I feel like I'm burning out. He that neither wearies lives in me. As such, I don't weary. I flourish in every season. My leaves never wither. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Hallelujah. Even youths will fail, faint, and be weary. But young men, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who believe the report of the Lord, those who trust in their God, they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm just having trouble really like doing what God's called me to do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you confess yourself to be some weak, defeated human, just like the rest, you know, when we get saved, Nothing on the, nothing on, nothing changes here, but one day it'll be all, it'll all be worth it. Then the devil will have a field day accommodating your poor theology. But if you'll start to confess the, you know, when they approached John the Baptist, they said, what do you say about yourself? And he, he quoted scripture. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. What you say about yourself matters. What you say about yourself is what gonna is what's gonna um, how life turns for you is dependent about what on what you say about yourself. What you experience in life will be totally dependent upon upon what you believe about yourself, about God, and about yourself. The Bible says, Paul said it. Continually, he was in prison. And he said, I'm striving according to his mighty power at work in me. It wasn't, you know, last week I got stripes on my back and I don't know if I can keep on going. I don't know if I'm going to make it next week. I have, I already told that church I'd show up and now I really don't have it in. He said, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. They stoned him in one place. He got back up and he went to the next town and continued to preach. He increased in strength daily, Acts 9 says, confounding those at D Damascus that Jesus was the Christ. So his confession wasn't, you study the epistles. The epistles is Paul's mission, his mandate that God had given him to show the believers on the earth what this new covenant may, meant for them. That you should, you should change the way you talk about yourself because in Christ, we've been blessed with every heavenly blessing. In Christ, we are more than conquerors through him who gives us strength. In Christ, we, uh, he that began a good work in us will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we're anointed to dominate. Number four, I'm not cursed, I'm blessed. That's an important thing. There's too many believers who think they're cursed. When you came to Christ, the curse broke. You've now entered into the blessing. Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3. I know that I've, you know, stirred up some religious devils that have probably logged on and logged off this broadcast, but that's fine. They can stay poor. They can stay broken. I won't, I'm interested in what the Bible says about me. I'm interested in living the life God has set before me. A life not of horrible tragedy and misery. A life where goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And you're gonna, that's going to be your experience in Jesus' name. You know, the devil cheats people of the reward by keeping them in this small, dumb religious mindset. They, you know, Jesus even told the, the Pharisees, you have made the word of God of no effect in your life because you hold to your stupid traditions. Well, I've never been taught that, so it must not be true. You know, they also said man could never fly on a device. And look, there's airplanes. Do you know that for a long time, the church was preaching that we're saved by works, that we had to do a bunch of things in order to get, gain entrance into heaven? It wasn't until Martin Luther caught a, a glimpse of the truth in God's word that we're not saved by works, but by grace through faith. So just because it's what you've always heard doesn't mean it's true. I heard someone say, practice does not make perfect. So hearing something over and over again does not make it true. Practice makes permanent. Hearing something over and over again is going to guarantee that it's permanently embedded in your mind. But if you believe the lie, you'll suffer the life of, a, of, of the lie. But when you believe the truth, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Galatians 3, 13. So I'm not cursed, I'm blessed. Why? Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, very important to tie both together. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What's the blessing of Abraham? So that's a two-part uh, truth in that scripture. One, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Study it. In, I won't get into it today. But if you study in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, you, you hear of sicknesses, mildew, uh, wars, famines. Uh, you hear about uh, fever. You hear about cons uh, consumption. You hear about tumors and boils. Everything that came as a result of the sin of Adam is listed in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, and then it even says, even those things that are not written in these things, in, in this book, uh, is part of the curse of the law. Even the things that you're suffering with, things that happen to you that you might not even find in Deuteronomy 28, 15, but have made life a living hell on you. Even those things are listed as a part of the curse. Whatever wasn't in Eden... Whatever you can picture Adam having in Eden in the garden of God when God made it everything, made everything perfect and good is part of the curse of the law. And the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Not Christ will redeem us. Not Christ is redeeming us. I mean, even though salvation's a work. Christ has redeemed us. I am not cursed. I am blessed. Gener uh, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon those who believe. What's the blessing of Abraham? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Get out from your country and from your family and from your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. That's right, Jolene. I am redeemed. Stop talking like you're still cursed under the law. Stop talking like you're still held bondage to the curse of this world. Stop talking like you still, I still live in a fallen world. I live in a fallen world, but I'm not part of this fallen world. I am blessed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'll go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, God told Abraham. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So it's not just me being blessed. The blessing of Abraham is so great, it empowers me to be a blessing to my generation. God didn't call you to be a burden. God didn't call you to be a liability. God called you to be an asset, and God called you to be a blessing to your, to your generation. I'll bless those that bless you. Verse 3. That means anybody that ties up, connects with you, they're going to partake of the blessing that's on your life. And I'll curse those who curse you. Meaning anyone that makes it their life aim and their life goal to make things hard and difficult for you on earth. God said, I'll curse him that curses you. Why do you think, Romans 12 says, give room for God's vengeance. If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him water. Pray for your enemies, Jesus said. Why? We got to pray that God goes easy on them. Because he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jacob, whom the Bible says, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... And the scripture says, we brethren as Isaac are children of the promise that God promised Abraham. We're children of the promise. Just like Isaac, just like everything God uh, promised Abraham, God appeared to Isaac and promised him the same things. And then now in this New Testament, Galatians 3, if you read on, it says, we as Isaac are children of the same promise. Well, what was Isaac's life like? Was he living? Man, looking like a hard year for farming this year good thing we we uh were able to salvage stuff from from last year that didn't rot so we'll be able well i think we'll be able to make it i i think we'll be able to make it uh rebecca no the bible says in the midst of a famine he was sowing seed and reaping a hundredfold return the Bible says Isaac prospered to the point where he became so prosperous, the Philistines envied him and they came to him. A nation came to a man and said, you've become too large for us. Hallelujah. I'm not cursed, I'm blessed. And that blessing empowers me to multiply. God told if you continue in the life of Abraham, Genesis 17, I, I am God, El Shaddai, your very great reward. I, I, I will reward you with very great rewards, God told Abraham. I will be a shield to you. I will protect you. In blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. I'm anointed to flourish. The blessing of God. Look at what happened to Obed-Edom's house when the ark of God came to his house, which is a type of pre the presence of God coming into your house. What happened? Nothing corroded anymore. Nothing was having a hard time. Everything was flourishing. Everything was multiplying. Everything was increasing. Everything was growing. That blessing empowers you to grow. That's why the scripture says, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in flesh 
He'll be like a shrub in the desert, a dry ground. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They'll be like a tree firmly planted by the riverbank. And in every season, they're going to bear fruit. And everything to which they put their hand to shall prosper in their hand. See yourself the way God sees you. I'm blessed because of him who blessed me. Listen to this. Numbers 23. If you're a, a curse conscious Christian, well, I know what the Bible says, but there's just this, this curse that's on my life that I, I just haven't broken off. You know why you haven't broken off? You keep giving, giving room to the devil by the confession you make. The Bible says don't even give the devil a foothold in your life. Your words, I read it at the beginning. You are taken by the words of your mouth. You're snared by the words of your mouth. The devil actually has, he can stand by and just say, wow, I don't even have to work today. Their confession is just causing a deluge of unfortunate things to happen to them. I don't even have to go to work. They think they're cursed, so the curse keeps, keeps uh, attracted to them. As long as you think yourself to be as, as a man thinks, so is he. Numbers, uh, Numbers 23. You have to carry a blessing consciousness in your heart. What others can't do, I can do because I'm blessed. And the blessing of the Lord makes me rich and adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10, 22. Numbers 23. Then ba Balak, the king that hired name to curse the people of Israel, said, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only the outer part of them and shall not see them all. Curse them for me from there. So this wicked king hires Balaam, the prophet, to curse the nation of Israel. Curse them for me. So he brought Balaam to the field of Zophim, to the top of Bis Pisgah, and built seven altars. And offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Oh, you don't know. I, when I was growing up, there was a witch nearby. And they actually did this sacrificial thing. They took chicken's blood and they put it in. And ever since then, I, 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 things have not been right for me. I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, a cloudiness in my mind. And it seems like when one sickness leaves, another one comes. And I don't... When you came to Christ, it does, look at them. They offered up rams. They offered seven burnt... They were trying to persuade a curse on them. But look at what happened. Then the word of the Lord met Balaam and put, a, and put a word in his mouth. Go back to Balak and say these things. So he came to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering. And the princes of Moab were with him and Balak spoke to him and said, Listen to me, son of Zippor. Rise up, Balak, and hear. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do? Has he not spoken and will he not make good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. I, God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Hallelujah. I have received a command to bless. If all of hell, every demon in hell join hands to curse you, God has blessed you and nothing can reverse it. The devil and man, a witch, a warlock, Santeria, whatever it is, you can curse whom God has blessed. And you are blessed because Ephesians 1, 3 says about you, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. 
God has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Meaning God didn't have a reason to curse them. They weren't sinning. They weren't living and practicing a life of sin. So the Lord, his, his God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strengthened them like a wild ox. Verse 23, Numbers 23:23. Memorize this verse. For there's no sorcery or enchantment that can come against Jacob which is a, a picture of the church. Nor any divination or fortune-telling or witchcraft against Israel. It must now be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. That's why there should be an everlasting flow of gratitude that comes from your heart. Because we were part of the cursed curse of this earth. We were at one time foreigners to the blessing of God. We were cut off from the covenant of God. And by nature, the devil could do whatever he wanted to do in our life. But God being rich in mercy, he saved us. He redeemed us. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. And that same blood, it serves as a neon glowing red sign to the devil and to every demon, every witch. You can't touch whom God has blessed. You have to pass over. We're part of the untouchables. Though the whole world lies under the wicked one, the Bible says we are of God little children and the devil cannot touch me. Hallelujah. That includes your children. Your children are uncursable. doesn't matter if all witches in your town get together and stir up a cauldron like a witch would do it doesn't matter if they put chickens before your door and put blood all over your it doesn't matter God has blessed you the curse without cause cannot lie the blessing is too strong for the curse the blood of Jesus has paid for us a relief from the curse of this world so that we might enter into the blessing of Abraham so that goodness and mercy, favor and blessing, riches, goodness, health, strength and every good thing that God has promised in his word can become our portion in this life by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Number five, I shall not lack. So number four is I'm not cursed, I'm blessed. I mean, look at Elijah on Mount Carmel. When he was mouthing, the, the, the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves with stones. They were doing this great ceremony. Most Christians today would have been like praying in tongues. Oh, we got to pray against this wicked work. We got to pray. The prophets of Baal, they're doing all this. They're calling down fire from heaven. Oh, oh man, you got to see there's a witch down the street from our church. And they just, they're just so strong. They prevent people from coming into our church. That's why we're still small. Why don't you quit giving excuses I mean, how weak do you think Jesus Christ is? The same devil that couldn't stop Christ from raising from the dead is the same devil that can't stop the Christ in you. I have the same spirit in me. What was Elijah doing? Whom the Lord was not in. The, Lord, the hand of the Lord was just upon Elijah. We have the spirit within. And Elijah still knew he was mocking them. Perhaps your God has gone away on a journey and he's going to come back soon. Perhaps he's gone and taken a leak somewhere and he needs a little time to relieve himself. That's what Elijah was saying in 1 Kings 18. He was mocking them. Whenever the devil whispers something in your ear, you're not going to make it. Remember that guy? You, you, same story will happen to you. Remember that tragedy? Remember your, your grandfather and your father? You've all had that problem. Now it's going to start. 
Every time the devil tries to whisper a lie into your ear, out of an overflow of the truth of God in your heart, bellow out in laughing. <laughs> Learn to laugh. The Bible says in Job 5, you shall laugh at destruction. You shall scorn the work of the devil. Learn to scoff him. Put him in his place like Elijah. And then in one 15-second prayer, fire comes from heaven and the course of a nation was changed. Hallelujah. Number five, I shall not lack. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I'm not, I'm not, my portion isn't poverty. My portion isn't lack. I'm not called to be in want. I'm not called to live uh, always in a state of need. Paul said in Philippians 4, I was never in need. Talking about financial resources for his ministry. He said, my God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. Not according to a Bill Gates' bank account, because that's limited. According to his riches and glory. I live from a place of overflow. I live from a place of abundance. Do you, you know that God is a God of abundance? He doesn't want you always continually striving and struggling to believe God just to meet your need at the end of the week. God wants you to live from a place of abundance where you have overflow to help this, the needs of a lost and dying humanity. Too many Christians, well, you know, God gets me through the week and, you know, we have enough on our table. And You're selfish. Stop thinking about yourself. The Bible says no longer think or concern yourself with your own interests, but for the interests of others. Think about others. Seek to, to increase in financial level so that you can be a blessing to people that are in need, people that are hurting, people that can't pay rent, people that come to church, but there's four or five kids, but they have to take a bus because they, they can't afford a car. But you now, I mean, how great is it when you have the financial resources to write them up a check and say, hey, uh, I, buy yourself a car, whatever car you want, get a van, so you don't have to, you know, wake up three hours early just to get your kids to church on time. Start thinking about others. And you'll not want to stay in a point where you're just, you know, believing God for yourself. The Bible says, he leads me by still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures is signifying of, of abundance, of fruitfulness, of, 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 of green vitality. When Jesus multiplied the bread, did he just make enough for everyone to eat just a little? Now go back home. No, he multiplied it for, so that they have 12 baskets of fragments left over leftovers God doesn't want you to live at the bottom of the barrel he wants you to live the cream of the crop living from the overflow hallelujah and the way you do that it's not just confessing it you know these are seven things the Bible says about you so you should start saying about yourself I, I'm not in need don't look at your bank account and let that be uh, your voice let the word of God be the voice of your life. I'm lining up my confession. Not with what I see in my bank account. Even if it's in the negatives. In the reds. I'm lining up my words with what God's word says. I'm blessed. And the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. And he has no sorrow to it. Like Paul. He that gives seed for me to sow. Is increasing the seeds that I've sown. And I'm. I'm uh, the Bible says. He will provide an abundance for you for every good work. 
God is making all grace abound to me so that I have an overflow to abound to every good work. That's what the Bible says about you. I shall not lack. I'm not created for lack. Do you think Adam was going around? Hey, uh, egg, uh, Eve, I don't think we're going to have... I don't think we're going to have any, uh, anything to eat today because it looks like the fruits in this garden aren't... Produ- no. He always had overflow. Whatever he wanted, he had. And Jesus came to restore the glory of Eden in our lives. He said, all the silver is mine. All the gold is mine. Matter of fact, the disciples, when they left the breaking of the bread and the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees, And uh, they were so set. That's the problem. When people aren't taught on um, the doctrine of the Bible, when it comes to finances, when they're not talking about the principle of, of, of abundance and God's desire for you in the area of your finances, what ends up happening is people are so earthly minded. They're always thinking about how they're going to make it. They're always thinking about their needs. They're always thinking about what they're going to eat, what they're going to put on. Just like Jesus said, don't worry about those things because they're, they're not taught from the word of God uh, the principles that are, that are to build your faith when it comes to provision. There's no faith there. And as such, they just worry, they're anxious, and they're never able to think on truly spiritual things. So Jesus, Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The disciples automatically go, is it because we have no bread? Is it because we don't have anything else to eat? Jesus said, don't you remember what I did to the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Don't you remember? I'm not talking about financial miracles, miracles of provision. That's easy for me to do. I'm trying to bring you on into maturity to think on spiritual things. I shall not lack. When you start talking like that, you're not going to worry about how you're going to pay that rent. You're not going to worry about how you're going to clothe your kids. You're not going to worry about about that electricity bill at the end of the month. You're going to know. I serve a God whose name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who is my provider. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he said, all the silver and the gold is mine. He paves the heavens with gold, streets of gold. He just has to chip a piece off and send it your way. And every debt, everything that you need provision for will be supernaturally provided for because he's a good God. And he said, I'll I'll supply. I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. Number six, I have the mind of Christ. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. I'm not slow. I'm not... Uh, having a hard time finding the solution. I have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2, the Bible says, who can say, uh, who can instruct the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Have this mind in you which was in Christ Jesus. I'm not dumb. I'm not slow at understanding. I'm not, you know, I did a lot of drugs in my day, so I have a hard time. Old has passed away. God, if you had scrambled eggs, has unscrambled the eggs. And you now have the mind of Christ. You don't even, you know, you should even say, I've lost my mind and I've put on the mind of Christ. Because your mind's finite. Your mind's limited. Christ's mind is unlimited. The Bible says in Isaiah 11, I will give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And I'll make you of quick understanding. God, the spirit of God will quicken your mortal brain. So that you can be supernaturally bright, supernaturally smart, a genius. Most of the people that have 
discovered amazing scientific discoveries. Uh, most of them were Christians. The one that discovered the human genome. He was a Christian. You look at some of the greatest minds on the earth today. They were Christians. Look at Chick-fil-A. Uh, the, 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 the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truth Kathy, was a Christian who God gave him a plan to increase his business. And he brought it to a place where it's an empire in the States now. And I love Chick-fil-A. Can't wait to have it again and on, on, on Tuesday. It might be my first stop after I get off that plane. Haven't had it in over a year. What do you think did that? The mind of Christ in him. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were teenagers. But there was wisdom and understanding given to them by God. And as such, when they were interviewed, they were found ten times wiser than any of the people in the realm of Babylon. Even the wisest, the cream of the crop of Babylon couldn't measure up to those, three and, those four Hebrew boys. You know the Bible says of Jesus? He said, um, the queen of the east came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, yet one greater than Solomon stands before you, talking about himself. And the scripture says, Christ has become to us wisdom, sanctification, redemption. So greater wisdom, greater potential for ideas, innovation, concepts. Then Solomon, whom the Bible says the queen of the east fainted when she saw the works that Solomon's wisdom brought forth. Greater, greater potential. Unlimited potential at that. Now is in us. Because Christ lives in us the hope of glory. And Christ is the wisdom of God. And Christ is the power of God. So quit saying you don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, pray in the language. You don't know how to speak. Just pray in tongues. When you don't know what to do, pray in a language that you don't understand. And God will supernaturally quicken things in your spirit. And it'll be translated to your mind. And then all of a sudden, you'll know the way out. All of a sudden, you'll know exactly what to do. All of a sudden, Jesus, you have to picture yourself. Whatever you can say of Christ, you can't say about yourself any longer. Christ was never, oh, disciples, we got to have a last minute me meeting. We have to have an executive meeting because uh, we're running out of finances in the ministry. And we don't, we're not sure if we're going to make it for our tour of Capernaum. And so if you could just, they didn't have that. He always, he himself knew what he would do. He had such a bright mind when the Pharisees came and tested him. He answered them in such a way that they dared not ask him another question from that moment onward. Because every time they'd open up their mouth, they'd leave with their mouths shut, scratching their heads, astonished at his answers. That mind is in you. And number seven, number seven, fact of what the Bible says about you is you are one with Christ. Whoever has been joined with the Lord has become one with Christ. One with Christ. You're not separate. You are the body, he is the head. The head and the authority and the power of the head is transmitted through his body. You don't respect my head and not respect my body. We're one. We're connected. We're not severed. We're not, this isn't a decapitated church. We are one and the same. The Bible says God is in you all, God is through you all, and God is over you all. The Bible says uh, in, in the book of Romans chapter 11 that we as a dead branch have been grafted in to the 
the, 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 the living vine, Jesus Christ. And we've now become partakers of the root and fatness of the tree, of the abundant life of Christ. That life, the DNA of Christ now flows through me. The Bible says, as you are in the world, as he is in, in heaven, so are we in this, in this world. We're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors because of Christ who lives in us. There's a story of a, an evangelist that he was, he had a, um, a vision once of a devil that was like running after him, chasing him down. And uh, he kept getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, he was like crying out to God to do something about it. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ appeared about 15 feet before him. And the devil kept charging. And Jesus kept, he kept walking backwards and backwards and backwards as the devil kept charging. And then Jesus, as his foot hit that man's foot, it merged and fused together. And his hand hit that man's hand, it, it fused and merged together. And all of a sudden, Christ just like, became one with him and he said I lifted up my voice and I said in the name of Jesus bow and leave and that devil fell to the ground and scurried away and he said I caught a revelation that day that it's not me on this earth being carried by Jesus Christ is in me and it's as if Christ were standing in my stead as if Christ you know when you show up, Christ shows up. When you show up, Jesus shows up. The devil doesn't, see, when you start to understand this, the devil's not, he doesn't see you separate from Christ. The Bible says, come out from the unclean thing, be separate from them, and I will be a God. I will dwell in you, and I will dwell among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my, my, my people. That's seven things the Bible says about you. So why is it important to know that you're one with Christ? Because now you start to understand you don't have to pray about everything. You yourself can take dominion over what the devil's trying to do in your house. You can rise up as the standard the Lord has put in your family. And when the enemy rushes in like a flood, you can put him back to where he belongs. You can send any package he sends your way back to hell, back to sender, where it belongs. You don't have to accept every package that comes your way. You can use the authority given you. The authority of the believer. I don't feel like I'm, I'm strong right now. Even if you don't feel powerful, you have authority. A policeman doesn't have to have the actual physical strength to stop oncoming traffic. He just lifts his hand and the traffic stops. Then when he lifts his hand another way, the traffic stops there. You might not feel like you have much power. You still have authority. And when you lift your hand with an understanding of that authority, the devil, the devil has no choice. He understands authority and he has no choice but to leave. That's why Jesus was so pleased with the centurion. Because he said, I'm a man under authority. And I say to this one, come. And he comes to another, goes and he goes. And to this one, do this. And he does it. And just say the word and my servant will be made well. He understood the power of authority. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that connects with me, he will bring forth the same fruit that I've been bringing forth. In the name of Jesus, that's going to be your story from this moment onward. 
in the name of Jesus. Seven things the Bible says about you. I hope this changes. I prayed for you before this broadcast that this would change uh, the way you see yourself. That when someone comes and asks you now, what do you think about yourself? You're not going to come up with some cheap, patsy, worldly response. But you'll have a biblical answer. When the devil whispers, you're a loser in your ear, you'll be able to reply, no, I'm more than a conqueror. No, God always leads me to triumph by all things through Christ Jesus. No, the Bible says he leads me to the victory by Christ Jesus. No, the Bible says that Satan's been cast down, but I've been enthroned in heavens. Don't fall victim to the devil's lies. Rise up in divine truth, and you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> you, don't have, you know, most people feel burdened and heavy in their spirit because they haven't been enlightened to these truths. That's why you're to feast on this. Jeremiah said, your word was found, and I ate it, and it became for me the joy and gladness of my heart. That's why some of you, you might have come, come on this broadcast and you, you didn't feel much joy. Maybe you were having a hard week. But now, a joy unspeakable has come on the inside of you. Because you're, you're not holding a worldly point of view for yourself. You're starting to see, man, I've looked into the law of liberty. I'm looking at myself in my mirror. The devil tried to put you, to, to make you look at a worldly mirror. Make you look in the, the mirror everyone else looks in. You're a loser. You're a, you're a defeated foe. And there's nothing great that's in you. You'll never am amount to anything. But then you start to look in a different mirror, the mirror of God's word, and you start to see what Christ is in you. And it starts to change your vocabulary about yourself. Jesus, in the volume of the book, it was written of me. Jesus knew exactly what his assignment was on the earth. He wasn't going around, am I really the Messiah? I don't know. He knew he was the Messiah. He found the place where it was written of him. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm sure that's the message he preached everywhere he went. So after the devil came and said, hey, if you are the son of God, I am the son of God. That's what he replied. Look at it in the wilderness. Devil tried to get Jesus to doubt his identity. Jesus said, I am the son of God. Why? Because he believed the man shall not live by the report of man or by bread alone. Man lives by the word, by the word of God. Hallelujah. And if you won't discipline yourself to always set this book before you, you'll be like Ephesians 4 says, always caught in every wind of doctrine. I pray this is none of you, but there's some people, they hear a message like this, they feel good, they feel victory rise, and then they go and listen to some filter, 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 uneducated, unenlightened preacher talk about how life's about valleys and mountains. Talk about everything he's, just preach their experience. I'm not called to preach my experience. I'm called to preach the word of God. And I won't talk about any experience that doesn't line up. Paul said, I will not boast in anything other than what Christ has, has uh, done in me and through me. I'm not going to boast about anything else. So be careful who you listen to. Because it will make the difference between victory or defeat. If you're watching now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to do so, you need to do so. If you have, but you need to recommit your life to Christ today, you need to do so. Don't push this off. Don't wait for a more opportune time. Tomorrow might not come for you. 
Because unless you're in covenant with God, you're, you're out of covenant. It's, it's a field day for the devil to do whatever he wants to you. But when you get in covenant, God said, I'll protect you. God said, I'll be your defender. God said, I'll be a wall of fire around you. God said, I'll forgive your sin. I'll empty you of life's sorrows and burden, and I'll give you life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Life might have been a drudgery up to now. Life might have been terrible up, in, up until now. You might not even be able to point into one thing in your past that you're happy about. But the Bible doesn't, you don't have to finish life the same way it started. That's the whole point. God had to send Jesus. Because he wanted to give you life and life more abundantly. So you, but it, it takes you receiving that life. Not everyone walks in that life. Not everyone walks in victory. Only them. You have the light. Believe in the light that you may become children of light. You got to believe, repent, and be saved. So do that today. Pray this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess that Christ is the Lord of my life. Old things now passed away. Wash away all my sins. Wash away all the guilt of my past. From today, fill me with your righteousness. I receive Christ in my heart. New things begin to happen today. I'm a new creation. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. I just got saved. The first link that pops up, fill it out. I want to hear from you. For everyone else that's watching right now, I have one prayer for you. I pray that God, as you've studied this, this, as you've listened to this, go back, watch the replay, take notes, take extensive notes. I want you to, to write up these things. Put them on your, your, your door. Put them wherever. Put it on your fridge. Keep it as an open reminder for you that I'm not what I used to be. And though I might not be what I want to be, I'm confessing what God has made me to be. And I know that I'm going to reach. I'm going to reach. I'm going to reach it. I'm being conformed unto the image of Jesus Christ. And day by day, I'm being transformed from glory to glory and victory to victory and faith to faith. So my prayer for you today is that God would give you a, an insatiable hunger and appetite for the word. For the word of God. So that you'll begin to discover as you go on an exploited study of this word. Begin to discover other things God has said about you. Because seven, that's just seven. There's so many more. There's other things God has said about you. That I didn't even get into today. Because if I got into everything, we'd be here till next year. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, the same hunger you put in me to read your word, to study this book of the law, to search out in this book this, the promises that you've made us, to let the words of Christ dwell richly in me, to treasure these words and keep it as the apple of my heart. I pray, Father, put that same grace on those watching now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.